the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. In other words, you cannot have a divided allegiance to God and to materialism. You have to choose one or the other because they are diametrically opposed to each other. In ancient times, a slave only had one master. How could he have two masters? Then neither of them would be his master. When we pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States, we are pledging our undivided loyalty to our country. There is no such thing as a split allegiance. Let the boy try to explain to his two girlfriends that he likes them both the same. I don't think so. The theologian Adam Clark states in his commentary that we serve that only which we love supremely. A man cannot be in perfect indifference between two objects which are incompatible. He is inclined to despise and hate whatever he does not love supremely when the necessity of a choice presents itself. This is what Pastor Steve is discussing. Not power saws, but serving two masters. It can't be done. It is one or the other, and it is decision time. Welcome to Verse by Verse. My name is Peter Silseth. I am pleased to introduce our pastor teacher, Steve Kreloff. Pastor Kreloff is in the middle of a study on the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel. It's a position he has held since 1981. These daily radio classes are a natural extension of his teaching ministry. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and hear what Pastor Steve has to say. Now, let me just back this up. For example, in Proverbs 28, 22, it says this, a man with an evil eye hastens after wealth. It's exactly, it's exactly. Now, now this is in, uh, uh, this is that, that Jewish thinking of what an evil eye means. And I told you, an evil eye in, in the rabbi's views, because it's biblical, is about being stingy. Also, let me read this to you. Proverbs 23, verses 6 and 7, very interesting. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7 say this, do not eat the bread of a selfish man. Now that word, a selfish man, man with an evil eye. It's a literal translation of a selfish man, an evil eye. Why shouldn't you eat the bread of a man with an evil eye? Except the writer says, or desire his delicacies, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Okay, so how does he think? He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart's not with you. His heart's not with you. This is a greedy miser who the Bible tells us pretends to be generous. He says, come, eat with me. Eat my delicacies. Yes, enjoy what I have. But he resents it. He resents sharing them with you because he's really, in his heart, a cheap tightwad. He's only pretending to be generous. He's not. That's what the writer is saying. It's an evil eye. So when you put all this together, we really can, can more fully understand what Jesus exactly is teaching here. What he's saying is that the effects of a materialistic view of life are far more serious than we might realize. 
Being a materialist affects all of your life. It's not just an isolated area. It affects everything. Those with generous eyes, meaning giving people, people who share, people who give of themselves. We're not talking just about money. It's part of it, but we're talking about giving servants. Those with generous eyes will invest their lives in storing up treasures in heaven. And as a result, those people and those people alone will have great insight into biblical truth. We're talking about believers now. Because unbelievers would never do this anyway. This is for believers. We'll have great insight into biblical truth. They'll, have, they'll, they'll understand biblical values. In other words, they'll have a godly perspective on life. Because they'll see things as God sees things. Those with evil, stingy eyes will be takers. And there are some people like that. There are Christians like that who are takers. Everything is about them. They are self-absorbed, self-centered. They only live to, to accumulate earthly treasures for themselves. As a result of this, Jesus said, darkness will dwell in them. They will, they will never really understand life the way it should be understood because, because their values are not biblical values. In other words, a lack of generosity will lead to a distorted perspective on life. And you see this with some believers. You see this. They go to church. They listen to the message. They go out of church and it's as if they never heard anything. They, they dichotomize church life and their secular life. It doesn't, doesn't have any impact on them. That's what we're talking about here. Lloyd-Jones once said this, evil always dulls the mind and makes us incapable of thinking clearly. That's a brilliant statement. Let me read it again. Evil always dulls the mind, makes us incapable of thinking clearly. That is precisely the point that Jesus is making. Precisely. You have an, an evil perspective on life. You're stingy. You store up treasures. and You can't possibly think clearly. You can't. Folks, it's really not hard to see how this works out in practical day-to-day living. It's really not difficult. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, offers several illustrations of how spiritual darkness engulfs the mind of a person clouded by materialism and leads to a twisted and unbiblical set of values. Here's what he writes. Materialism clouds our vision of success. Because of our grasping spirits, some of us have defined success in financial terms and have thereby condemned ourselves to perpetual failure because we never quite reach our goals. He's just saying that's a distorted perspective on life because you're seeing things the wrong way. And he writes, what a tragedy. He continues, a grasping spirit also clouds our visions of others' worth. If others do not join us in the scramble for the things of this world, we call them spiritless or lacking in ambition, or worse. I've seen missionaries despised by Christians because of their choices to serve Christ in a way that that means a lower income. And I'll just add this. I'll interrupt Kent Hughes here to say that where you see this so often is parents with children. Hey, I didn't raise you to go to the mission field. We didn't spend $50,000 on sending you to a university to waste your life on the mission field. And yet, you know what? They may be deacons in a church, but they have that kind of mindset. Where'd they get that? It's their eyes. It's how they look at life. He continues, a grasping heart also keeps us from having a healthy vision for our children's lives, similar to what I just said. Their chosen profession must fit our economic and social criteria, we think. And then I love how he ends this. Never mind that Christ was a carpenter. A great statement. See, those who live to pursue earthly treasures have no understanding of God's values. 
They're in the dark about his values because the things that are important to God are not important to them and vice versa. They, they just don't see it. That's why, uh, that's why people uh, can have a whole different set of values and it leads to all kinds of selfish behavior and sinful behavior. It's, I'm telling you, it's not just isolated. It's not just how you see things. It will affect the way you live. This is precisely why Demas abandoned Paul. Because he saw things. He, he, was, he was caught up in the magnetic force of this world. He loved this world. And that really determined his action in forsaking Paul in his great moments of need. Imagine that. Imagine that. And likewise, this is why Moses was able to make the right choice during a very pivotal time in his life. I'd like you to see this. Hebrews chapter 11. The great, the great chapter on faith tells us about how, how certain men and, and women how they approached life, how they made wise decisions because they trusted God. And listen to this, Moses, who, by the way, just so some of you may not realize this, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's court. He was like uh, really a, a son to Pharaoh, an adopted son to Pharaoh. But there came a point in his life in which he, he turned away from all the treasures of Egypt. And we're told about this in Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, meaning the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering, and notice this, why did he do this? Why did Moses turn his back on the treasures of Egypt and, and choose to even suffer treatment with the, with the people of God? Verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses looked beyond this world and saw what was really important, what was really important, the treasures in Christ. He didn't have the understanding that you and I do today as New Testament believers. He didn't have all the revelation of God, but he knew there was something far beyond this world. And he lived with that in mind. And thus he walked by faith. He didn't, he, he didn't see it in the sense of it being tangible, physical. He saw it by faith. He chose to follow the Lord rather than pursue the treasures of Egypt just because he had eternal values. Now listen, the point of all this is to say that if you choose to fix your mind on the things of this world by chasing after earthly treasures, you will never, ever be able to comprehend God's word. You'll walk in spiritual darkness and you'll never grasp his values. Even if you're very involved in a church. See, the sad thing is that so many people, even some genuine Christians, walk in this type of spiritual darkness and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. They are self-deceived because they may go to Bible-believing churches, hear some very wonderful sermons. They, uh, they may indeed even enjoy the fellowship of, of great Christians on Sunday morning and evening. And, uh, but because they live for the things of this world, it, it has no impact on them. They're in darkness. And the tragedy is they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Because they think that, that because they hear these sermons and they read their Bibles, and they think they've got all the light in them, but that's what Jesus meant when he said in verse 23, if then the light that is in you, what you think is light, is darkness, how great is the darkness? Self-deceived people. Self-deceived people. In other words, a materialist is self-deceived into thinking that the way he sees things enlightens him, because he's got so much knowledge about this. 
but it's really deep darkness, not light that dwells in him, because somehow he's able to turn off Bible truth from ever impacting his life. And the only thing that dwells in him is darkness. Now, that may be true of some of you. Maybe true of some of you. If you have a materialistic, greedy heart, and you can't possibly have kingdom values, you can't. But rather, there's a darkness within you, a darkness that comes from the values of this world. So what can you do if this is the case? What do you do if you say, you know what, that's, that's me. That's, that's me. Then you need to simply repent of your greediness. What is it that's so important to you? What is it that you can't let go of? Let go of it. Let go of your self-centered ways. Begin to be generous to others, your time, your money, your service. Be inconvenienced. I think the real test of servanthood is if you can be inconvenienced and not grumble about it. Give. Give to others. And in so doing, you are storing up treasures in heaven. You do that, you're going to have God's perspective. So thus far, Jesus has given us two reasons why we should choose to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. One is a common sense reason, because treasures in heaven will last forever. I mean, that just makes sense. Why pour your life into something that's temporary? Secondly, because those who store up treasures in heaven have spiritual light, understanding rather than darkness. Every believer should want to live in complete light. Christ saved you for that. Don't walk in darkness. The third reason that we should store up treasures in heaven rather than on earth is because our treasures demand our total allegiance, our our total loyalty. Notice verse 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. may say in your Bible's mammon, the thought is wealth. Now, just as the previous verses mentioned two types of treasures, two types of eye conditions, so now this verse speaks of two types of masters. Masters to serve, either God or money. And Lord is very clear about this, very emphatic about this, very dogmatic. He says it is impossible. It is impossible to serve both God and wealth, meaning that we need to be very careful in choosing the type of treasure that we're going to accumulate because whatever treasures we choose to live for, whether it be those in heaven or those on earth, we will become its slave. It will reign over us. It'll be our sole and total master. This is a dogmatic, dogmatic statement by Jesus. So if you choose to live for yourself by storing up earthly treasures, then make no mistake about it. Money will be your Lord and your master. You will live for it. It will dictate your behavior. It will demand your total loyalty. The old adage is true. Whatever you own eventually owns you. That's what will happen. But if you choose to store up treasures in heaven and and live for those things, live for the Lord and his kingdom, then you'll become a slave to God. You'll become a slave to his authority over your life. And note this well, Jesus said, and I emphasize this again, we cannot under any circumstances serve both God and money. Now I want to stop here for a moment and tell you that there are some people who have disagreed with this statement by Jesus. They say, no, that's, that's not right. And it, it, it sounds even awkward to even say that some say Jesus is wrong, but that's what they say. They contend that it is very possible to serve two masters at the same time. And the proof of this, they say, is that they serve God in church on Sundays. They're involved in ministry on Sundays. But on the weekdays, they serve money by working a full-time job. Now, those who say that and say Jesus was not right, 
have absolutely missed the point of what he's talking about. He's talking about a slave's relationship to his owner. He's not talking about employment. He's not talking about a nine-to-five job Monday through Friday, and then you go home, and on Sunday you serve the Lord. He's not talking about that at all. He's saying that, that no slave, not employee, no slave can have two owners because by definition, a slave is under the total control of one master. If he has two masters and he has divided interests, then there's no one who's his master. In other words, you cannot have a divided allegiance to God and to materialism. You have to choose one or the other because they are diametrically opposed to each other. In ancient times, a slave only had one master. How could he have two masters? Then neither of them would be his master. John Calvin once wrote, Where riches rule the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. If riches rule in your life, and that's the most important thing, we're not talking about having money and enjoying it. We've already gone over that many times. Enjoy whatever you have. Be generous. Enjoy. But we're talking about if it controls you to the point of, of it, it has dominion over your heart. God has lost his authority in your life. You won't listen to him. You already have another authority. You have another master. You can't have two masters. You have two masters, then you have no master. That's what the Lord is saying. So why should you choose heavenly treasures over earthly ones? Simply because whatever you choose as your treasure will end up owning you. It'll end up controlling you. And according to scripture, only Jesus Christ has the right to be your Lord and master. He's the only one who has the right. Everything else is a cheap substitute. Folks, one evidence of his lordship in your life will be whether or not you accumulate treasures on earth or treasures in heaven. Those who know Christ the way they should know him in submission to his lordship live for his kingdom, live for his righteousness, not for the things of this world. So what are you living for? That's only a question you can answer. And more appropriately, I should say, for whom are you living, Christ or self? That's really what this is about. The New Testament says that Jesus died for us in order that we would yield our lives to his authority. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Romans chapter 14. Let me have you turn there. This is, this is crucial that you see this. The death of Christ ought to have an impact in our lives. This is the one purpose for his death is that he might be Lord over you. That he might be the master. That you might be his slave. Not only does Romans chapter 6 speak about our, our slave relationship to him as master. But look at Romans 14 beginning in verse 7. Paul says, for none of us, talking to believers now, none of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. This is the normal Christian life, by the way. This is not a deeper Bible life conference. This is the normal Christian life. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And then note this, he says, for to this end, meaning this is the purpose, this is the goal. Christ died and lived again. Listen to this, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. That he might be your Lord. That's why Jesus saved you. Not so that you would have a prayer of salvation Invite him into your life and then walk out of here or any place and never live for him. That's not New Testament biblical Christianity. New Testament biblical Christianity is that you trust Jesus Christ to be your savior and you follow him as your Lord. That's biblical Christianity. Is he your master? 
Is he your Lord? One evidence will be how you handle the treasures, what treasures you choose to accumulate. If you've never, if you've never trusted him, then you need to become his slave by repenting of your sin and trusting him to save you with a commitment to follow him, which means obeying his word. Now, this brings us to the observance this morning of the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper is an ordinance that reminds us that Christ did die for us. And he died so that he might be Lord, not simply save you, not simply take you to heaven, though that's certainly part of it, not simply forgive your sins, but he wants you to live for him, to live for him. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to make sure that we're walking in obedience to him, it is a reminder to us. It is really a memorial service for Christ because it always brings us back to what did Jesus do for us and how are we living and responding to him? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning, beginning with verse 27 rather. I want you to note this. The apostle Paul sort of sums up why we do this, why we have the Lord's Supper. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We're, we're, we're to have a worthy manner, which means we need to make sure that when we come here, we've repented of sin. We've got things straightened out. And that's why he says in verse 28, but a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he's to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So the Lord's Supper is only, first of all, for believers. It's not for those who, have, who are outside of his kingdom. If you've never believed on Christ and his death for you, then, um, then you're our guest. Just observe as we, others, take the Lord's Supper. But this is also, communion is also just for believers who make sure that they're walking in a manner that pleases the Lord. He's not talking about perfection, or none of us could ever take the Lord's Supper. But he is talking about heart's attitude. Not talking about, hey, if you're struggling with a sin issue, don't take this. I would say if, if there's a sin issue that you're not struggling with, don't take this. Strugglers should take the Lord's Supper. But if there's something in your life that, that you refuse to let go of, you need to repent of that now and, and then take the Lord's Supper. Let's bow our hearts before him. Father, we pray as we have gone through this passage, Lord, we pray that Jesus has persuaded each of us. We, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to, to let go of those things that we treasure too much in this world. And we, and we all have those things we struggle with. We all have things that uh, mean more to us than they should. Lord, help us to repent and help us to pour our lives into the things that really matter. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us who claims the name of Christ will come under your lordship. We, we, don't, want, we don't want money to be our master. We don't want to give our lives to something like that. But Lord, we want to give our lives to you because you gave your life for us. And we pray as we, as we observe these elements, as we take them in obedience to you, that we'll be thankful, we'll be praising you, and we'll be repenting of those things that we need to as we remember why you died for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is fitting to close with the Lord's Supper. As Pastor Steve said, it is a reminder to us as to what Jesus did for us. He had a single focus to do the will of the Father, even though it was the Father's will for Jesus to die on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for his sins. He didn't have any. He died for my sins and yours. 
His death and resurrection makes it possible for us to spend eternity in heaven with Him forever. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving at Lakeside for more than 27 years. And these daily radio Bible classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and the gifts of listeners like you. If you would like to listen to today's program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can also find previous classes on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's class was taken, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Tomorrow, Pastor Steve starts a new subject from the Sermon on the Mount the subject of worry. Please be sure to tune in to find out how you can overcome this mental disease. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.